So today we're finishing up on this series of how do we live abundantly. And last week we looked at determining our worth. Like how are we doing that? Because we do it all the time, whether or not we realize it or not. And so today we're finishing up with embracing life. And what I'm kind of getting at here is all kinds of things happen in our lives, whether that is good, bad, ugly, indifferent, like it's all over the place, right? Sometimes we're on the mountaintop, sometimes we are dancing for joy, and other times we want to like lay in the fetal position. And so how do we begin to think about living abundantly even when it may not be exactly how we see it, how we understand it, how we think it should be going when we are experiencing those deep lows and those great highs. How are we embracing life so that we might live abundantly? So today we're going to skip into the letters of Paul. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians, it seems, is actually really a fourth letter, or it's a, a putting together of several letters that Paul is doing to the church in Corinth, that community there. Uh, Corinth located in the country of Greece, and part of his mission out and away from Jerusalem. And so as we're looking at Corinthians, the second, the second Corinthians, we may notice that things sound kind of good. And maybe we even have this notion that, man, people in the old days, like that first century Christians, they had it all together. Well, if we were to look at all of first and second Corinthians, we would notice that the Christians don't have it all together. Like they are really struggling to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus in our context? And they are going to screw it up every which way that is humanly possible. And so Paul writes to them to give them a sense of, okay, got it. Here's your struggle. Here's where things are kind of going off the rails. Here's where we could start to think about, make some tweaks. Here's some guidance in this. And so 2 Corinthians is really about helping the people of Corinth really live into what does it mean to follow Jesus in our particular context. And as we're getting into this, we may notice there's a lot of talk about gratitude and generosity as we are looking at Thanksgiving soon in just a few days. But it's also kind of to help give us a sense of what does it mean to embrace life? What does it mean to embrace life when we may be screwing it up, when things aren't the way that we planned it? So starting in the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 4. It's unnecessary for me to write to you about this service for God's people. I know about your willingness to help. I brag about you to the Macedonians saying, Greece has been ready since last year, and your enthusiasm has motivated most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our bragging about you in this case won't be empty words. And so that you can be prepared just as I keep telling them you will be. If some Macedonians should come with me and find out that you aren't ready, we, not to mention you, would be embarrassed as far as this project goes. So we may go, okay, what in the world is going on? If we were to back up into chapter 8, what we'd notice is that Paul 
He was talking to them about they have promised to help the community, that there's this sense of when a community of Christians gather, that they begin to actually not just help one another, but they help other communities in the ways that they can. And so Corinth has made a promise to help this community, to help in resources, to help in whatever way it can. And here Paul is going, okay, we're trying to make sure that these aren't empty words because there seems to be some lag time here and we don't need to be doing that whole empty word. We make promises, we make commitments, and then we don't follow through. And here we may go, oh yeah, I've had that experience before, right? Where someone makes a promise to you or they tell you what they think you want to hear those are empty words. And what's interesting is that isn't just words that can be empty, but actions can be empty too, right? And we sometimes see this, especially this gets highlighted in social media where the world looks amazing around this person. Person looks like they are living their best life and it's all falling apart. Or those actions that people do because they just want to show off. And so here, Paul is trying to challenge them. Make sure, take a step back. Are the words that we say, are our actions kind of empty? Are they for show? Are they just promises that we don't really hope to keep? What are they? Because we've all been impacted by that at some point, and it doesn't feel good. And so Paul, in his way, is trying to challenge them of really kind of take that into consideration of, of trying to think through that, of trying to focus in on what they say and what they do, because it all has meaning, and it impacts others in ways we may not even realize. Moving to verses 5 through 6, this is why I thought it was necessary to encourage the brothers to go to you ahead of time and arrange in advance the generous gift you have already promised. I want it to be a real gift from you. I don't want you to feel like you're being forced to give anything. What I mean is this, the one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. All right, so first he challenges, but then he's like, wait a minute, I, I really want to be an encouragement in this. I want us to be an encouragement in how we are giving, of how we are interacting, of how we are in relationship with one another. And he's specifically talking about, I want it to be a real gift from you. And so, you know, it's kind of that thing about how are we giving and receiving but instead of just focusing on money and time, which is really what our culture focuses in on us, right? It's money and time. Like, you know you're worth something if somebody gives you money or time. But here, here I'd like us to kind of expand out of understanding that there are all kinds of ways that we are giving and receiving. The promises that we make in our words and in our actions that we have all been given these abilities and we begin to see that and unpack that when he goes into the one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop and the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous amount. And so to begin to think about that, of how we use 
not just time and resources, but all kinds of abilities that we have, all kinds of abilities that we ourselves have been given. How are we beginning to use those things in a generous way? How are we beginning to use those in a generous, authentic way? Not because we're like, well, it looks good, so I should do it, but instead really digging into kind of who we are and the abilities that we have and how are we sharing those with others. We love it when people share with us. And so how are we sharing the different parts of our lives, the different abilities that we have, our words and our actions with others? Continuing on in verses 7 through 9, everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way you will, re you will have everything you need always. And in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. As it is written, he scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. So that's kind of interesting to think about. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. That sense of what are we giving of ourselves to others? What are that we have, whether that's in ability, that is in time, whatever resource, our energy, our focus, what are we giving to others? And then it goes on to say, God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. So now all of a sudden, Paul's changing it a little bit. Paul's like, okay. We may think of the things that we can do, the things that we have that we can share with one another. But he's now refocusing on God's grace of saying, wait a minute, we also receive God's grace. So what is the ability? What is the gift that we receive from God? We receive grace, but then we receive so much more. And so when we're thinking about how we are interacting our words and our actions of when they have meaning, of how are we being fully present? How are we saying, okay, I'm here, my words have meaning, and how are we understanding what we get from God to go to others? That our abilities aren't just for ourselves to enjoy, just to reap kind of, you know, reap all those benefits to keep them for ourselves because it makes us more comfortable. We kind of like it. But instead here we get this thing that, well, God gives us grace. So how are we giving it back out? God gives us abilities freely. So how are we giving it back out? And then that way you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. So it's kind of like one of those things that if we're trying to figure out how to do good in the world, if we're trying to figure out what we can do, how we can be present, how we can live into sharing of our abilities, that is, what is the good that we are bringing? Because God gives all of us abilities to do good, to do wonderful things. Maybe we just haven't realized it yet. Maybe we haven't discovered that ability. And yet we are being told here, God gives us everything good all those good abilities, and so how are we sharing them for everyone? It also gives us this sense that all of us have been given abilities, and do we notice that 
in others? Do we notice those good things that have been given to others and how they are sharing it? Because something profound can happen, right, when we are realizing our abilities, when we're willing to be generous with that, when we're willing to show up, when we're willing to be that healing presence or to listen or to love, that when we have been given an ability by God, when we show up with it, something wonderful can happen. And we may think that we don't have a whole list of things. Well, I'm not able, I can't do, I'm not good enough. But here's the thing, God gives us all kinds of other things. When we think we do not have over here, living abundantly is saying, no, 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 God gives us something else. And so to even think about that, as I was walking through the World Expo, one of the pavilions that I went to was the pavilion, the Iraq Pavilion. And, you know, there's plenty of news to, to see where it is showing such decimation, such problems, such, such, such destruction. And so the pavilion, right, we would, you know, make the assumption, well, they don't have a lot of resources in many ways that some other countries have. Okay, you know, depending on how you want to define that. Their pavilion was simple, but it was beautiful. In fact, what they showcased was the art, was the art from their country. And it was every piece. If I could have bought every piece, I would have. It was so magnificently, movingly beautiful, right? Because they were sharing with the world what they had. They were being generous to the world, to others, to say, wait a minute, here's the good thing that I've received, and here I want to share it. And so to think about for ourselves that whole thing about how are we sharing the good, how are we sharing and being generous, that even when we think maybe we don't have enough or we don't have certain things, that really we have other things to share and be generous with. Going now to verses 10 through 11. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. So that sense of being generous with the abilities, with the gifts that God has given us so freely, to, to be given that chance to be generous with those things, and maybe right here is where this question can really kind of hit us. This question about why is it important? Why is it important to understand that our abilities are a gift from God and not just luck? Not just like, well, I was born and I got some good genetics or, you know what, I was born into a family that gave me, but instead of seeing that our gifts and abilities come from God. Why might that be important? You know, it's one of those things that when we begin to think of all of our abilities come from God, that the things that we've been given, the things that we are able to do, the way that we are able to engage the world with our particular gifts, when we go, wait a minute, that comes from God, it means it's not all about us. 
that we don't get to be entitled to it, that it's not something that it's like, well, it was the luck of the draw, so I get to keep it for myself. Instead, it's actually moving us towards, you know what, if God gives me this, to be in community with others, to be able to do, then how do I get to share it? How do I get to be generous with it? It also takes this thing of sometimes when we come into places, when we are born into this world, people don't think we are worthy of or we are less than or that we aren't capable of. And here, if we think, okay, gifts and abilities come from God, then it's this shift of saying, wait a minute, God gives us all something. It may not be we realize it immediately, but God gives us all something that we all are worthy because we are loved by God. And so God has found us worthy, all of us, to give us gifts, to give us gifts that are important to being in relationship with one another, that are important for building up the community, that none of us get to say, you know what, I'm out. Life isn't great. What is it? What's the purpose of it? We live, we die, what's more to it? And here, when we understand our gifts are from God, what more to it is that we've been all given gifts to help one another, to be in relationship with one another, to build, to encourage each other in all kinds of ways. So to say, yeah, I don't really have any ability, I don't have any gift, is to say, yeah, God doesn't love me enough. And that's not true. God loves us enough that we have been given some kind of ability. We have been given some kind of gift to help those around us, to build each other up, to point towards God's love, to live in peace with one another, to be filled with joy if we're willing to engage, if we're willing to understand that all of us are vital to the community. All of us are worthy because of God's love, and so we all have gifts to contribute. But to think about that question, to really kind of struggle with that question is something important because it, it keeps us from being able to check out, from hoarding it all for ourselves, or from thinking, I'm worthless. I have nothing to contribute. I haven't made, I haven't done, so what's the point? No, when we think of our gifts and abilities coming directly from God, this question can be profound, can have a real moment for our lives because then it begins to cultivate that generosity. It begins to refocus us. Why might we need to understand our abilities as being from God instead of nothing more than luck. Because it says something about who we are and who we can be. It gives us possibilities when others would say, well, you know what, you're not that great of a singer, so, or, oh, I'm sorry, like you don't know how to run a billion dollar corporation, so you're not really worth that much. God's like, whoa, hold up, wait, all of us. All of us have been given gifts to help encourage and build one another up, to be generous with one another, because such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us, that it actually fires us all up, 
that as we are generous, that as we are refocusing, that as we are understanding our abilities, that not only does it begin to build ourselves up and wait a minute, I can contribute to society. I can contribute to my community. I, my life is worth something that we then are able to give thanksgiving to God. We are able to be excited about it, of saying, I am grateful for. Finishing up in verses 12 through 14. Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it's also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. They will honor God. They will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. They will do this because this service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity in sharing with them and then with everyone. They will also pray for you and they will care deeply for you because of the outstanding grace that God has given to you. Thank God for this gift that words can't describe. Verse 12 your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it's also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. That when we begin to think about how we can be generous with our abilities, that how we can engage with others with what God has given us, it not only meets somebody else's need, it not only meets their need for survival, but now it actually pushes them forth. It pushes them further. It pushes into a life that is abundant, a life that is thriving, a life that says, wait a minute, all these kind of crazy things happen, but I am not alone. It is also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. So that sense of being able to move beyond survival to thriving, of moving into an abundant life, of embracing all that life kind of throws at us, that as it throws, we understand that we're in relationship with one another, that we are able not only to meet one another's needs in all kinds of ways through our different abilities, but now we are able to cultivate a thanksgiving, a gratitude, an excitement, for God, for all that God has given us that is good and wonderful and beautiful. It is a refocusing of ourselves, a refocusing that takes into account of how we are using our words and actions and whether those things are empty, a refocusing of ourselves on the wonderful abilities that we have been given to do good in this world. It's a refocusing that it's not just an ability for ourselves, but instead it's an ability to build up and do good with those around us. An ability that calls us into this life of gratitude and thanksgiving. So even as we are embracing all the ups and downs of life, we are able to pick out, to point to, just like the artists that contributed those beautiful works in the Iraq pavilion, we are able to contribute something good and wonderful that encourages and builds up, that gives us a way forward, that says God is still with us. A challenge today, a challenge for how will we be unsettled by these words of Paul? How will we be challenged by them? And what are the gifts today that we all have 
that we want to be generous with others in giving. Amen.